Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. everybody and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the week three edition. I know it's only week three, but it feels like the season is flying by as it already does. This time next week, the season would be a quarter over, but there's 17 weeks now and I'm horrible at fractions, so I'm having a spot of <laughs> what I know is going on percentage wise. But Rich, crazy week one, crazy week two, getting ready for Pat's Saints week three. How are you, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I am doing very, very well. Patriots are playing the Saints this week, and honestly, I'm pretty excited for this game. This will be a good test for the Patriots and Mac Jones. That isn't the New York Jets. I'm hoping that they'll have a good time to play. Uh, But before we get into that upcoming game, Alec, let's start talking about around the league, because I think that there are some pretty interesting games this week. Uh, I feel like the first two weeks, as you mentioned on our last podcast, the first two weeks of the year have been fantastic. Uh, and I'm pretty excited about what's coming on for, for this upcoming week. That makes one of us, Rich Hill. We're going to have to respectfully disagree on this one. I'm looking <laughs> down the slate of games, and I see one game of note, at least on paper, and that is Buccaneers at the Rams. That could be a very interesting game, uh, the Sunday afternoon game. I know there's some divisional matches up you're excited about, but I don't know, Rich. I'm just looking at things like barn burners, like Falcons versus the Giants. <laughs> the Seahawks Vikings, which is going to end in a last minute Vikings missed field goal because we know how that works. I don't know. Maybe you're just more optimistic than I am. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't think that there are a lot of good teams that are going to be playing, but I think that the recipe is pretty great for some really interesting and exciting games. Uh, you know, I, I think that the Chargers are on the road against the Chiefs. They're both one and one. Uh, the Chiefs are by far and away a better team than the Chargers. Don't get me wrong. But somehow, these two teams always find a way to play each other close. You know, it's like no matter how good the Patriots are in a given year and how bad the Jets are, how bad the Dolphins are, they're going to play each other extremely well. There's always going to be one game between the two of them that comes down to a last-second field goal, and you're going to just be wondering, like, how are we even in this situation? I think that's going to be the case here, where, you know, maybe the Chiefs will win. No one will remember this game in the long run, but it'll probably come down to a last-second score. So I think that has the opportunity to be a really good game. And then you have another category of games where you just have two really, really bad teams. You mentioned the Falcons and the Giants. I think that that is a recipe for a great game. No matter how bad those two teams are in isolation, they both have like really great potential for super exciting offensive production and probably really bad defensive production. So no matter how bad these two teams are, this game could end up being you know a 35 to 32 sort of shootout, and I'm very excited for you know Daniel Jones versus Matt Ryan. Well, that's that's why I keep you around, Rich, that rosy attitude and that can-do positivity. Um, I'll maybe milk off that a little bit. One game that actually could be good 
just depending, or an absolute disaster. The Jets obviously had some real offensive miscues against the Pats last week, but they're playing a 2-0 and Broncos team that I don't think is very good at all either. Uh, maybe this is a situation where the Jets get off the schneid a bit, go to go to 1-2, and two, and the Broncos drop their undefeated streak. I don't know. This game could be a disaster as well, but there's one of those those potential for, for a sneaky good game there, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think it's hilarious if the Jets were able to go on the road and get their first win, uh, because I think that, yeah, the Broncos, I don't think, are as good as, uh, you know, them being tied for the best record in the league through two weeks. Uh, but I do, I do love the Teddy Bridgewater uh, resurgence that he's been experiencing out there. I think he's finally in an offense that'll allows him to kind of uncork in a way that he hasn't been allowed to in the past where he's just been treated as a game manager. So I do think that that could be a high scoring game because both Wilson and Bridgewater, uh, you know, surprisingly in Bridgewater's case, but both of them have the ability and like proven past ability just to chuck the ball deep. So excited for that. And then also Alec, there are those pretty standard expected good games. And I think that those are all saved for the primetime slates. Uh, you have the Packers on the road against the 49ers, where the Packers got absolutely crushed in the first week against the Saints, uh, but they look pretty solid against the Lions. And then you have the 49ers that have one of the best uh, you know, teams in the entire league. I think that's going to be a really good game. That's Sunday night football. Monday night, you have the Eagles and the Cowboys, uh, You know, both teams I wouldn't consider to be contenders, but both are pretty exciting. Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott might be the best quarterback matchup of the week, if not for uh, a Sunday game between the Bucks and the Rams. Yeah, I'm very curious to see the Hurts-Prescott matchup, and if we're looking at a preview of the next couple of years in the NFC East. The Cowboys, the jury's still out on them. I think they're a good team. I think they're front runners to win the NFC East. I don't think the Eagles are that good, but I think NFC East, something about the NFC East divisional matchup where you're always guaranteed a good quality product. And my wife's a Cowboys fan, so I'll probably have to watch that one. But the game I really care about, Rich, is obviously Patriots hosting the Saints at 1 p.m. on Sunday. This is a very different Saints team than the last time the Saints came to Foxborough, which I believe was the Ken Brill Tompkins show ponies where's the beef last second catch game that, that Tom Brady engineered on that comeback. Drew Brees is retired. Obviously, Jameis Winston is the quarterback, ironically, the person that was ousted from Tampa Bay for Tom Brady. So there's a lot of weird connections here. I'm looking down this Saints roster, Rich, and I see some talent, especially at the running back position. I see a very streaky quarterback who's capable of breaking the game open, but also capable of throwing five interceptions. And I see a lot of names I don't really know that well. So what are your early thoughts on this Pats-Saints matchup? Uh, I'm with you. I, I agree. I don't think that this is a very good Saints team. Um, I, I think that they were very fortunate against the Packers where, you know, they, they uh, Alvin Kamara had a great game. Don't get me wrong. I think the Packers have historically really struggled against running backs. And so Kamara was able to break the game open early. And then the Saints had two very, very fortunate drives where they started within the, the Packers red zone itself. I think they started like the 21 and the 12 yard lines and they scored touchdowns on it. So very short fielding. Um, and they were able to put points on the board that way. So I, I don't think that the Saints were necessarily as good as their week one performance indicated. Uh, but I also don't think that they're as bad as their week two uh, game indicated because they were missing a bunch of their key defensive starters when they got annihilated by the Panthers. So they were missing their star cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore, who returned to practice uh, on Wednesday, uh, and their starting safety, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who didn't play against the Panthers, as well as their defensive end, uh, uh, Tenno, I think it's called Passing On. Uh, he, he's like huge, like six foot seven, 300. So he's in a monster on that defensive line. Uh, and so they were missing a lot of those players against the Panthers. And so that's probably why their defense was 
as bad as they were. So they're somewhere in that sweet middle between how they were in week one and week two. All right, let's start there with this Saints defense against the Patriots offense. Uh, The Patriots made this disgusting, inexcusable, embarrassing decision on Sunday against the Jets to throw a lot of high percentage passes, not go deep that much, efficiently move the ball down the field, put the team in position to score, be careful with the football, just things you just don't want to see out of an offense. What I like to see is quarterbacks running around in the backfield, throwing it underneath their legs 65 yards down the field in triple coverage. Totally. That's football to me. So hopefully, Jackson Daniels will throw out the play action, he'll throw out the run, he'll throw out the screen and the quick pass, and he'll start taking deep shots down the field. But seriously, folks, how are you going to attack this Saints defense if the Patriots offense, knowing we're a running first team, tight end heavy, high percentage passes, are they going to take advantage of that again, or is this the week we start taking some deep shots? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think when you look at the Saints roster on defense, on paper, there's a fair amount of talent. I think Marcus Williams uh, and Malcolm Jenkins are a pretty solid safety duo. Malcolm Jenkins' best football is definitely in the past, but together they're pretty solid. Uh, And you add in uh, Demario Davis at that linebacker position, I think that he's very good. Uh, And if Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Marshawn Latimer return, I would say that back end of the field is probably the strongest part of the Saints roster. Uh, I think Zach Bond, who's a very young linebacker for them, Uh, out of Wisconsin, I believe. He's one of those undersized guys who moves well in space. Um, But I think when you look at the front of their roster or front of their defense, outside of Cameron Jordan, I don't see any really great players in their defensive front line. So, like, yeah, I I think that Demario Davis is a good linebacker. Uh, I, I would say that if I am Josh McDaniels and I am the Patriots, I am also going to go back to just running the ball because that's how you attack this weakness of the Saints team. And I I think that the Patriots, uh, you know, for what they've proven in the first two weeks of the year is that they're able to run the ball on teams if they want to and enforce their will. And I I think that they will be able to do that against the Saints team. So would you see maybe, I know Ramondre Stevenson still may be in the doghouse given his fumble in week one. He was inactive for the Jets game. Uh, this seems to me, I agree with you completely, this seems to me a really good Damian Harris slash Ramondre Stevenson game. Just kind of grind him in submission. You think he's active on Sunday? I, I, you know, in a vacuum, I would say that I would think Ramondre Stevenson would be great against this defense. He would be huge in that fourth quarter after the teams are tired and he can just ground them out. I think that the Belichick doghouse lasts a little bit longer, and so I, I would be surprised if he were able to already come back onto the field uh, after those fumbles. You know, he fumbled in the preseason, he fumbled in week one. I would say that this puts him in the doghouse for another couple weeks, barring another injury to Damian Harris. And so I would expect J.J. Taylor to get that look again. Um, and honestly, I, th- I think that that's probably better. I, I would say that... Uh, Taylor gives them the opportunity to attack the the linebackers out in space. And I I think that the exact offensive game plan that they had against the Jets with a lot of screen passes, uh, I think that they had a lot of angle routes and and swing passes to the running backs as well. I think that Taylor will be able to capitalize on that and, you know, pick up five, seven yards at a clip. Uh, Add in James White, who I, I think had a great game last week against the Jets. And I think that the New England offense is going to channel through the uh, the running backs in the exact same way. I like that. I like that a lot. J.J. Taylor wasn't really utilized much, especially in the run game. I think he had two carries for three yards or something along those. It was very, very, very minuscule in the Jets game. But he was out there. He's so little, and I love that about him. <laughs> I think there could be a situation, maybe some kind of wild two-back set with, with Taylor and James White. You can motion him out, create some mismatches. 
Uh, that's why I'm actually going with my X factor this week. It's going to be Hunter Henry, the tight mm-hmm. end. Uh, he's been slowly being incorporated more into the offense. There was a very kind of Brady to Gronk-esque seam route he had for a big game against the Jets. I think his versatility as a blocker and a re- receiving tight end, he's not quite the same move guy that that Smith is, but I think he's bigger, he's bulkier. I think you can move him around the line, and you can get some really interesting packages with Henry, Taylor, and or James White. And this, I think his breakout game's coming on Sunday. Oh, I like that. I, I think that the tight end position always takes a little bit of time to get up to speed, and I think that you're totally right. I think Hunter Henry, and you can throw in John U. Smith, who's been battling a little bit of an injury. As soon as those two become fully integrated with the offense and the passing attack, this, this team's going to go to a next level. Uh, I would love to see Hunter Henry do it this week. Um, I like that. I'm going to go with the offensive line here, uh, specifically that right tackle position as my X factor. We don't know at this point in time if Trent Brown will be available to play. He's been practicing, so hopefully he can. Uh, But whether it's him or uh, Yasir Durant or uh, Justin Heron, whoever lines up in that right tackle spot will basically go as far as this Patriots offense can go in a very weird way because I I think that Shaq Mason gets super negatively affected by a lower caliber player next to him. Uh, For whatever reason, I I think that there are certain offensive linemen that, you know, if you plug in someone next to them, they can keep it going. Shaq Mason does not seem to be one of those guys. I think that when he's on, he's the best guard in the league. Uh, But if you have a rotation next to him, there's like, oh, it's just like a miscommunication and there's some general issues that arise. And so he needs some consistency on that right side. And so that is why my X factor will be whoever is that right tackle. It doesn't have to be Trent Brown, but whoever it is has to have a strong game because they'll likely get a lot of matchups against Cameron Jordan. uh, And they're going to have their hands full and the Patriots need to be strong on that right side of the line. If their running game is going to be as effective as it can be. Hopefully it is Trent Brown, man, because yeah, based on last week, that right tackle is a real liability and it does have triple down effect for sure. Your X factor, I think will for sure impact my X factor because if they can't, soar up that right side of the line. I imagine Hunter Henry's in the block a lot more, not really that passing threat, and the play action loses some steam. So, yeah, it all starts with the offensive line, so hopefully Trent Brown is back, or whoever replaces Trent Brown does better than he did on Sunday. Uh, Speaking of lines, Rich, let's go to the defensive line on the Patriots, the linebacker core against a what my the strength of the Saints, which is their running game. They have a mobile quarterback in Winston. Alvin Kamara is a very good running back. They have a decent offensive line. I imagine the Saints are probably going to try and employ the same strategy New England is and run the ball a lot and utilize some play action, move Jermaine around in the pocket, take some deep shots down the field when they need to. So what's your overall strategy for Matt Patricia against the Saints offense? Yeah, I mean, uh, for Matt Patricia, um, I would say uh, if I'm the Patriots, I'm going to make sure that Kamara stopped. You know, I think that's like the very standard Bill Belichick. How do you remove the best player on the opposing team's offense and force them to win with someone else? Uh, I think Kamara is by far and away the only good player in that offense. Uh, You know, as Michael Thomas is on the reserve list, uh, I I think that that means that this is a very, very one-dimensional team, uh, and it is entirely Alvin Kamara. And we mentioned that uh, with the Packers, they just aren't able to stop the run. I would say that when you look at what Kamara has been able to do historically, he is a very, very dangerous runner, a very, very dangerous receiver. Um, But if the Patriots can find a way to bottle him up, it's going to go a very, very long way. You look at this Panthers game and how they stopped them. He had eight carries for five yards. 
that's ridiculous. So the New England's going to have to have a very, very strong outing against Alvin Kamara. Uh, you know, if Kamara has fewer than 50 yards, the Patriots win this one pretty comfortably uh, because they don't have anyone else on their team capable of taking over a game in the way that Kamara can. And so for me, that is why my X factor is going to start in the middle of the Patriots defense with Devon Godshaw, uh, just because he is that nose tackle. I think he allows the players around him to really step up. I think Barmore has been outstanding. I think I has been very good. You have a very strong rotation up front. I think Gotcha can take over a game, uh, and I think that he's going to have a very, very strong outing to make sure Kamara can't take over the game for the Saints. Now, Rich, do you think the Patriots are capable of doing that, stopping Kamara? You know, they gave up 150-plus yards against the, the Jets. Uh, Carter is not the running back that Kamara is. Uh, the good news is no Jet ran for over 60 yards, but... You know, together, they, they amassed a lot of yards on the ground. I know the run defense was a big concern last year. Any concern on your end that the Patriots just aren't going to be good against the run on Sunday? Yeah, I'm not super concerned. I think that the Patriots, uh, based off of the game script, they knew that the uh, the Jets had to throw the ball to stay in contention. And so the Patriots allowed for a lot of the, the shorter runs later in the game just because okay, go for it, Jets. Like, they, they needed to pass in order to keep up, and they weren't able to do that. So the Patriots dedicated their defensive resources to stopping the pass. And uh, you know what? It, it worked. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned about the fact that the Jets were able to run against the lighter Patriots defense. I would say that what we need against the Saints, though, is kind of a, a different sort of game plan. I expect the Patriots will dedicate their defensive resources to actually stopping Kamara and actually stopping the, the run. And with that, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, a heavier, you know, bare front, you know, five men on the defensive line uh, where you have uh, Devon Godshaw in the middle with Guy and Barmore also on the field to make sure that there isn't space up the middle for Kamara to run. You put someone like Kyle Van Noy and Josh Uche on the edge because we're not sure if Judon will be available, but you put Van Noy and Uche on the edge and you have two very athletic linebackers that can cover in a pinch. Obviously, you don't want them in isolation against Kamara, but that's why you have Adrian Phillips. Phillips will be able to want to shadow Kamara, make sure he doesn't have a super productive day as a receiver. I think that the Patriots just have the talent uh, in order to have, you know, a heavy enough defensive front to stop the run while not giving up value in coverage down the field. I'm glad you mentioned Josh Uche, Rich Hill, because he is my defensive X factor this week, particularly when you have a mobile quarterback like Janice Winston. I think whenever you have a quarterback who's able to take off and extend plays with his legs and run, maybe some design runs. They also have Taysom Hill as kind of their gadget running back, quarterback, tight end. I have no idea what exactly his position is, but he's on the field doing weird stuff. I think a guy with the athleticism that Uche has might be used not only around the edge to set the edge and prevent that kind of sweep on the outside, maybe play a little bit of the spy role in the middle of the line if he needs to to make sure there's no kind of trickery from the quarterbacks. And if there's yards to be gained on the ground, it has to be the running back or bust. So hopefully Uche has a big deal in the backfield, making Winston's life very miserable in every possible way. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think Uche has really come into his own this year. I've been very impressed with his development. I think that he's obviously the future of this Patriots defense, uh, but he's come along faster than I thought. I, I would love to see him become a little bit more established against the run, uh, and that will come. I, I think that he does have the talent to, to do it. I think he's just right now a very good pass rusher. I would love to see more out of Chase Winovich. I still wish that the Patriots figured out how they wanted to deploy him because I think he is so good and he is very underutilized. Um, but maybe with Judon out, Winovich will get more opportunities as well. Um, but I, I think that in general, the Patriots will go a little bit heavier because you look at this Saints passing offense, 
and there's not a lot. <laughs> it's really bad, man. I don't know if uh, you've looked at it, but Chris Hogan is uh, on this team. <laughs> I think that's that's all you really got to say here. Uh, he has four targets, two catches, and 26 yards. So he's been uh, involved in their passing attack, which is also shocking. Their their top receiver um, from from a snaps percentage is Marquise uh, Callaway, uh, who you probably haven't heard of. He, he actually wears number one for them, but he has six targets and only 22 yards on the season. So you think if the Patriots have been struggling, uh, this has been much, much worse uh, for, for the Saints here. So he, he's a second-year player uh, out of Tennessee. He, I believe, uh, was undrafted. So like uh, this is not a super talented team with Michael Thomas sidelined. And so if I'm the Patriots, I'm feeling very comfortable that you can out play them in the secondary i think jc jackson jalen mills are going to do pretty well there's not a tight end to take over the game i think adam troutman is out there he will get targets but kyle duggar can easily handle him and so if i'm the patriots i can go with our, our pretty safe and standard secondary uh maybe you'll, you'll put in jonathan jones instead of uh jalen mills depending on the receiver matchup you know if it's a speedy threat you put in jones if it's not you put in mills jackson will get that top guy he'll be covering marquez calloway the the entire time uh, but, you know, with your your trio of safeties, uh, because of Alvin Kamara, I think you just need to have two cornerbacks on the field. And I think that the Patriots are going to be pretty fine. No, I agree with that. I think a uh, cover one will suit just fine against the Saints. You know, focus your resources toward the front line, the front seven, the middle of the field. Uh, the only concern is a uh, Hall of Fame namer, Lil Jordan Humphrey, is like 6'5", 230, so he's a, a potential mismatch. <laughs> um, but, you know, that usually means there's some some speed issues. So maybe that's like a Joe John Williams kind of matchup. Uh, you know, I'm not worried about that from a, from a talent standpoint, but you don't want these big guys who can jump for the ball uh, kind of overcoming. Like J.C. Jackson's a ball hawk, but he's not a, a Humphrey matchup. A and B, he's not going to win those jump balls. So maybe there's some scenario there where Joe John Williams has a has a big out and he gets him. But yeah, I, I think you put a hat on a hat. You do man coverage. McCordy is your deep safety to patrol the, the big play, and you focus your resources up front. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think that as far as matchups go, this is probably one of the more simple ones because there is a very clear number one, unlike with the Jets. You know, you had Corey Davis with the Jets, but, like, not really. There, there was just, like, no, you had no idea where the Jets were going to go, not because they had so much talent, because they didn't have it. Here, it's very simple. The, the Saints can only go as far as Alvin Kamara can take them. Jameis Winston is not the guy. He has been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde his entire career, uh, and he is doing it again here with the Saints as, as expected. Uh, and so if the Patriots want to make him as uh, you know bad as possible, force him into turnover situations... They will try to bottle up Kamara, take an, a lead however they can, and once it becomes a two-score lead, I believe that the Patriots' secondary will be able to force a couple turnovers uh, just to make sure that they put the game away. Putting the game away is hopefully the name of the game, and turnover is what the Patriots seem to do best. So with that, Rich Hill, I think it's time for us to get into predictions for this game. Let me go back to last week. We both had the Pats winning. You had a 24-13 victory. I had a 31-14 victory. Uh, I guess that makes you closer because you were almost there in terms of the Patriots score-wise. I have yet to win a single prediction matchup this season, and I am none too pleased with it. But... <laughs> Win and lose gracefully, I always say. So, Rich, you get first shot. Patriots hosting the Saints Sunday, 1 o'clock. What you got? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to go ride the Patriots again here. I think that the Patriots are a good enough team to win. Uh, I, I think that they, you know, depending on how the Saints are able to put their secondary together, if any of those starters that I've mentioned, you know, Gardner Johnson, Lattimore, is unable to go in the secondary, then the Patriots will have vulnerability and their passing attack can really take off. 
If not, I think that the Patriots will be capable of putting up, you know, those 23 points uh, sort of a thing against the Saints. I think 23 is the magic number for the Patriots this year. If they can hit that point, they can compete and probably win because I think their defense is that good. Uh, So I'm going to go with the Patriots winning this one here, 23 to 17. 23-17, 23-17, less than a one-score game from Rich Hill for the Patriots-Saints game. Okay, I'm also going to take the Patriots. Uh, I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game, uh, not necessarily because the offenses are going to sputter, but I feel like both teams are kind of utilizing the same strategy, which is run the ball a lot. And whenever you run the ball a lot, the clock moves faster. And because of that, there'll be less scoring opportunities. And I can see the Patriots employing a strategy that, that's a little 2011-esque, where they kind of loosen up between the 20s and then tighten up when they get around the 35-40 yard line and don't let them move more, try to force field goals and, and force a turnover. So I see a, a lower scoring game than that, Rich Hill. I see a 17-10 to 10 Patriots victory. Ooh. Well, I hope that uh, our overall outcome is right and the Patriots win this one. Uh, I think that the Patriots are definitely a more talented team, uh, but it really does come down to how they execute in this game, uh, as basic as that analysis does sound. Uh, I think that there, there's there's not a lot of leeway for the Patriots to have like that same sort of turnover issue that they had in Week 1. So if they can win the turnover battle, I think they'll win this one pretty easily. Uh, but if they don't, it could be a slugfest till the end. Alec, I'm very excited for this game. Do you have any final thoughts on week three of the NFL season? I have nothing to say, Rich. I'm exhausted. I want to go back to bed. <laughs> All right. Well, until <laughs> next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, my See you. Later.